It's the Gig Stories podcast with me, Alex, and him in the attic as always. It's only Chris. Hey. It's only. It's not only you. It's only me. It is only you. It's only you, but it's not just only you. Ah, it seems like a a while since we've done this. For some reason, two weeks just seem to be a long time. Yeah. And so Nick Hayward seems like a long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just say we did promise you, listener, that Nick's episode was wonderful and beautiful. And you've proved that because it's very quickly becoming our most popular episode. So lots of love for Nick Haywood. I mean, if I've got a crush on him. I don't know about you, Payne. <laughs> well, I, I took great pleasure last night because um, I, I actually saw Clint Boone last night. And, um, and just to let him know that um, his number two slot that um, as second most popular guest on the show so far <laughs> is absolutely under threat from Nick Hayward. <laughs> um, I probably should rephrase that. It sounds a bit rude, but anyway. um, <laughs> I love that. It was, it was a lovely episode though. And, and, you know, I've seen some nice comments about it and I'm glad, I'm glad people have enjoyed it. And uh, speaking of past guests, I know this is a bit of a loose link here, but that's what we like. We, that's what we like here. And I'm, I'm king of that. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll stretch anything. We have the sad news on Monday that Kendall Corlin has cancelled. And, you know, I've been part of Kendall Corlin for a few years, along with this episode's guest as well. And so it was just really sad to see another festival having to back out. And, and what was really frustrating about this is the politics of it all, is that Andy and Ben admitted and had to tell everyone that they'd had zero contact from the government, never mind a little amount of support, zero. They've had zero support financially, verbally, and in, in a week where they would have had to have paid out, I think it was nearly £1.4 million to contractors, there was no guarantee or insurance that would cover them. Because I know some people say, no, it's a bit premature. Well, not when you're a few weeks away. So my heart goes out to them. Um, and uh, live music is is happening in places. I mean, we had Download Festival, didn't we? Mm. Uh, go ahead. And I mean, we've got a billion people cramming into stadiums to watch the football. So it, it's more sad news, more sad news. But fingers crossed, here's my really stretch link, is that Johnny Kelsey, wonderful guest, uh, and his Doll Foundation, or Doll Foundation, are playing WOMAD. And that's still, at the moment, going ahead. And um, I've been invited to that to do some, you know, kids entertaining, family entertaining. So, so my festivals are disappearing quickly. Glastonbury, Kendall Corlin. So I'm holding out for WOMAD and hopefully catching up with Johnny Kelsey if it if it goes if it goes ahead. So Yeah, I mean I suppose one thing would be if you do have tickets for any gigs that have been um postponed or festivals that have been cancelled, if you can, hold on to them. Um yeah, please do. Because uh, you know it's a bit of a shocking time to be a, a gig promoter or a, a festival organizer. So the longer you can, well, if you can 
honor your tickets and just hang on till next year, then that's going to make all the difference. Can I throw something random in here? And I'm not sure how much it's related, but I want to put it to you and to our listeners, actually. The, the music industry is obviously, as we know, is really suffering and these bands have to make up for it. And I'm, I'm noticing already, um, even more so, that prices are going up and up because bands are having to make, not just because of, um, because of downloads and lack of money from there, but let me just tell you something I was angry about. Billie Eilish, who we love and adore in this house, okay? Now, I know she's a huge megastar and gets all the money she should and maybe more from things like Spotify and Apple Music, but get this, right? And this is related because our guest today gives a wonderful recommendation that when we all get out and about to local gigs and supporting smaller bands, that we try and buy a bit of merchandise to help them financially because they need it. They need it. Get this, Chris. Billie Eilish, I tried to get tickets for uh, me and my daughter or my, my wife and my daughter. That was a nightmare, trying to get tickets anyway. But then the tickets were over £100. And I'm like, what? What? How, how can that happen? Here's the big one. And I, I want people to let me know if they've heard anything else like this. She released her official merchandise. And so I thought, you know what? I can't get Grace a ticket. Let's see if we can buy her a hoodie. Are you ready for this? The price of a Billie Eilish hoodie. Take a guess, Chris. I'm, I'm going to guess that it was more than the price of the ticket. Was it more than the price of the ticket? Wow, is this? I mean, that's an expensive hoodie. Yes, you're right. One hundred and eighty pound. And eighty, nearly double the price of the ticket. One eighty. One hundred. That's right. One eight zero. One hundred and eighty pounds for a Billie Eilish hoodie. What oh has happened? What's happened to us? What? Has, what's happened to the industry? What have we become? <laughs> what's going on? Oh What's my going god, on? that's incredible. If if you are now a fan of any commercially successful artist, and I'm careful how I say that, because you know, I like a lot of them. You know, I've said I like Coldplay, I'm all right with that. It's literally, unless you are a very wealthy person, which I am not, it's it's impossible. You can never get through to get tickets anyway. Ticket prices are through the roof. I'll tell you what, I'll get a hoodie for my daughter. Oh, £180. £180. That is unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, my so, God. If you're angry, please <laughs> please message Billie Eilish's social media because I was just gutted, gutted, gutted. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, anyway. But, but if you do go to a gig as well, if it's, you know, if it's not a stadium one, but if it's kind of mm. one of these smaller ones, get in the gig, get down the front, and then get up the back, get to the merch stall. Exactly. Buy a record, buy a tea towel, T-shirt, what, whatever they are, because they really need it. And and I think we are going to lose so many artists. If we don't, if we don't get back to gigs very, very quickly, I think, yeah, they'll be disappearing. And that is, that is heartbreaking. 
absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. Have we mentioned who this um, this guest is? Have we actually no, we mentioned? Haven't. We've we've just referred to him in the third person, haven't we? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now that now this guest, uh, I fell in love with his voice many years ago. When I'll be honest, when I was a uh, a dad with little little babies, because I would hear his voice on his early show on BBC Six Music. And what a voice. Um, and then I was so lucky to meet him at one of the, when I was on CBBS doing one of the Christmas pantos, he came along with his family and um, we were very excited to meet each other, should we say. And um, I've stalked him ever since and I <laughs> hide in the bushes in his garden. So... <laughs> Not all the time. No, no, I'm not. I'm not stupid. It's only five. You've got, to, do, you've got to get to work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. do put a few shifts in a week. Absolutely. And bless him, he leaves a pot noodle on the doorstep for me, <laughs> whether I want it or not. <laughs> so, Mr. Christopher Hawkins, what a privilege to have him have him on. One of the oh, voices. Great of, chat. Oh, it really was the, yeah. one of the voices of Six Music. I really respect his his views on music and his recommendations. And I've picked up quite a few bands from Chris on his show. It is a, yeah. it's a brilliant show. And I know not everyone is up early in the morning. So listen back to it on iPlayer. It is absolutely, God's honest truth, one of the best radio shows on the wireless. He became so popular and, and, had, and, and has increasing listening figures all the time. They, they slapped half hour on the end of a show mm. um and he's just great and he's he's also on you can hear him on radio four and he's got some wonderful podcasts as well really interesting stuff um yeah. we'll mention his podcast at the end of this episode absolutely. because um he he didn't mention it in his in his episode i think because we recorded this a few weeks ago didn't we mm. yeah Good and few I think weeks it, was, it was still uh under wraps then so yeah. yes Get yourself comfortable or get yourself jogging and in the ears and prepare yourself for a man who knows his music. If 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 Chris Hawkins has never heard of them, they're probably not worth listening to. So here he is, the man with the beautiful voice. Now, Chris Payne, <laughs> although I do love that Scottish lilt young man. That wee Scottish brogue. You'll always be my wee favourite. Oh, you'll have had your tea. <laughs> It's Chris Hawkins. Hello and welcome, as always, to the Gig Stories podcast. No daft introductions from me this week because I just want to get stuck in because I just want to hear our guest speak because we have the most wonderful voice on radio. That is a fact. It's BBC Six Music's Chris Hawkins. Chris, how are you, lovely man? I'm really good, thanks. Hi, guys. Hello. I've said this even before I ever met Chris Hawkins. I'd listen to you read out the menu at McDonald's, mate. And if, if I'm ever to receive bad news in my life, I want Chris <laughs> Hawkins to tell it to me. <laughs> 
because it'll just feel so nice. I would, uh, I'll, I'll take the McDonald's voiceover gig if you know of a way in, and uh, I'll happily bring any news to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on. Let me, uh, let me look into that. How, how are you doing anyway? And how I know it's a bit of a loaded question these days, but you, you doing good. You, you, you know, staying with it. Yes, uh, the radio has been a, a thing, hasn't it, for the, the, the whole of the pandemic, um, much talked about uh, as an important part of a lot of people's lives. And I feel very privileged to have been in the position that I've been in. And, uh, and it's been a, a journey for me like it has for everyone listening, but it, it has felt like a, a responsibility to represent the thinking, the thoughts, to be a, a voice of, of what everyone's been waking up to, that uncertainty and, and being real and and hope hopefully playing music on my show i, I do a, a daily show on, on six music it's in the morning and um my hope is always to play something on the show that will provide some form of distraction and do you feel like that's changed since the the start of the lockdown do you feel like your attitude to the whole thing has changed since the start of the lockdown I think it's reinforced the reasons why I personally have always loved radio. I I got into radio because as a kid, I was fascinated by the one-on-one medium, by the the voice coming out of a a speaker and and talking to me. And I I really believe that nothing has changed um, through the years, that radio remains a very personal one-on-one experience. And I I think that at this time, a lot of people you know hold up at home on their own in a lot of cases and I, I hope that uh, and from what people have told me radio has provided some form of, of comfort as a sense of community of a family if you like and um, to have been a small part of the journey with people as I say it's been, it's been nothing but a privilege. I love that and I, I want you to know that that is true what you're saying is true from listeners I want you to know that it has been important and especially because of your timing over this past year you have been one of the first voices I've heard getting up having one earphone in as i'm downstairs sorting the, the kids out and just to hear that voice to hear that things are going to be okay or and sometimes to completely ignore it because that's what you want just a normality and and hearing music has just been great chris it's been hard alex too um you know uh, not as hard for me as it has for, for thousands millions of people but it's weird but being a dj you know you've got to have stuff to talk about and being a six music dj that's often about gigs festivals performances and that and then there was nothing and no one was doing anything so I'd got nothing to talk about wow interesting yeah and, and listeners had got nothing to share so um, <laughs> <laughs> there have been days when it has been sort of hands up I don't know let's just see how this goes and we'll work through it together and and the one great thing that Six Music offers is the best music on the radio I truly believe that Six Music is the greatest radio station on the planet and and uh, I, I love there's nothing I love more than playing like a new band for the first time and introducing that band to an audience for the first time but equally there's a, a great thrill in um, playing uh, something by an old band you know you might play a Roxy Music album track that, that yeah. someone's never heard before and that means that they go and revisit that that album that's that's equally you know a, thr- a thrilling part of the job do you feel like it's a response you, you mentioned the new bands do you feel like that's a responsibility that you have do you ever feel that on your shoulders the pressure um, it's exciting so in terms of kind of how it works I get sent maybe between 50 and 100 new songs every week and um, I think it's an 
important part of my job to listen to as many of those as is physically possible, partly out of duty, but mainly out of love, because I, I don't want one of the ones that I didn't listen to be to <laughs> got away. Um, yes. I don't want the Mac to end up listening to that one that I didn't uh, and then he <laughs> Are you actually aware of one that you, you didn't give attention to and then you're like, oh no, that was this artist? You, you blank it out. <laughs> it's probably for the best. Uh, good examples are getting on early with, for example, Sam Fender, Fontaine's. They've both gone on to do amazing things. Celeste, Arlo Parks. It's brilliant being a part of a radio station where listeners are hungry for new music and they're kind of musically curious as well. So, uh, for example, next week on the show, I'll play some Nitin Sawney and um, his album, you know, it's a beautiful filmic thing. Uh, it's quite political. It's a big statement. And um, it, it's not your usual uh, music radio fodder, but the audience is as hungry for that as it, as it is uh, for new, new music by, say, a, a new band like Shame. Do you know what? You've, those bands that you mentioned there, I just thought, oh man, what I wouldn't give to have those four playing in my garden this weekend. Arlo Parks, <laughs> Celeste, <laughs> Sam Fender, Fontaine's. <laughs> See that? What a lineup. Alex, I, I, yeah, I hate to break it to you. Pandemic or not, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So are you, and I'm just going to say this caveat for everyone. I, I think all three, uh, all three of us on here, we just want to go forward safely. So let's just say that that's a given. You must be absolutely desperate to get out now to live gigs. Yeah, um, I think more than ever, we've all got cabin fever, haven't we? Everybody has. I can't wait to be in a, a sweaty venue. You know, it's a great little venue, you know, close to all of our hearts, the three of us, Gorilla in Manchester. You know, I, I would just love, you know, we're, we're talking now, it's uh, half four Friday afternoon. You know what it would be to to be heading off to, to a, a boozer near there and then going to a gig, um, you know, spilling lager on the way from the bar into the crowd and, and seeing a, a rock and roll band. That, yeah. That's how I'd love to I be have, spent. I have been thinking about Gorilla recently just because I've been thinking of the most chaotic, beautiful, ridiculous gigs that I've been to. And one of the, the most daft was uh, Slaves at, um, at Gorilla. And it was just utter chaos. And I was photographing it. And obviously, there's no photo pit in in gorilla so i was just right in the middle of all that absolute nonsense and and <laughs> at that point i was a little bit worried not for me not for my personal safety but i was for my camera equipment because the cans of red stripe were coming over my head and all that kind of stuff <laughs> but and at the, at the time i thought oh god i, I just want to get out of here and then thought no it's all right just do your job get it done and um yeah and and the last couple of weeks i've just been thinking and looking back at the photos that i took and thought god I wish I was right there, right in the middle of all that absolute nonsense. I, uh, I had a night that I was thinking about um, in Manchester. <laughs> it, was a, it was a Friday night and I'd, I'd gone to see I'd, a band, I don't know who it was, and I met a friend for a drink beforehand. And uh, I'd, yeah, I'd intended to um, see, see this band. Um, and the friend that I was with said, oh, let's go and see someone else. Let's go to, say, for example, Gulliver's. And um, we dropped in and missed the band that we carried on doing, missed the band that he'd intended for us to see. We stayed in Gulliver's a while, missed the band the castle that uh, I wanted to see <laughs> stopped the bar for, and it just kept happening. We, we ended up not seeing any live music, but uh, and, uh, and it was a great night out. <laughs> yeah, you had the intention, the thought was there, and uh, that's almost as good. Do you know what, though? You've set up a question for me there, Chris. It is half four. The three of us, we're going into town now, we're having drinks, and we're going to our first gig in Gorilla. Who's it going to be? Wow. Who is it for you? Oh, oh don't do that. <laughs> oh, look at you. Uh, for me, um, if I'm being realistic, oh, 
if I'm being realistic on the size of the venue, because otherwise I'd say Arlo Parks or Sam Fender, genuinely. I just dying to see them. Um, probably a prey. I just love those two boys, and they they were they, they were great at Kendall Call in um, not last oh not last year <gasps> two years ago and at Glastonbury. I just loving them. In fact, that that was my last lo- gig before lockdown as well. I was in the Deaf Institute, so that's me. No one wants to know who I'm taking us to see tonight. Who are you taking us to see tonight? Well, I've got everything crossed that uh, New Order will still play Heaton Park um, at the end oh. of the summer. So what about um, New Order doing a, a warm-up show at Gorilla? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'd be up for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of saves me thinking of one because that would be pretty much... I, I just bought Stephen Morris's uh, book, so I'm, I'm kind of in a, a New Order frame of mind at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'll give you a lift. We are going to take you right back really quickly in our time machine and about your journey to becoming a, a DJ. I, I know a couple of people who became DJs and um, and when they were growing up, they, they used to, you know, record the radio and put their own little links in and all that kind of stuff. Were you quite, were you like that as, as a kid or was it something that you kind of fell into? Yeah, I mentioned that the fascination with the radio and, and the, that one-to-one thing. And uh, I, yes, I was into music from a, a very early age and, um, I, you know, I'd go out and buy singles in Shrewsbury I grew up in Shropshire and uh, got work experience at uh, at Radio Shropshire I, I, I guess I was 16 I remember my mum had to take me each day and uh, at the end of the two weeks I, I just kept turning up at weekends um, no one said not to and there was no security at the time so I just kept making teas and making myself as useful as I could on shows at weekends and I don't I think people just uh, or each one just assumed I was with someone else and, uh, and then that, that turned into paid work and I went to I did it a year out in a, um, America I got a scholarship this thing called the English Speaking Union uh, I got a, a scholarship to go to high school in America and um, I spent a year there in Boston and and started doing some college radio and came back to go to university in Nottingham and uh, then started working at BBC Radio Nottingham some big people had been there not least Simon Mayo who I was a big fan of and oh, yes so whilst at university in Nottingham, I was I was working away at, at Radio Nottingham, trying to learn the trade really, and uh, working at first as a producer, and then got my own show. And in fact, by my third year, I left two of my finals early to go and to present the drive time show, which I was doing by the end of my, my time at university. So I somehow wow. scraped a 2-2 at university and then stayed in Nottingham for another year. And and actually it was uh, only then, I, I guess I was quite a late developer in terms of festivals. It was only then um, it, after leaving uni that I went to my first festivals um, at V and, and Reading and, and moved to London the, the, at the very end of the 90s and started working at a station called GLR, which was this incredible station at Greater London yeah. Radio where uh, Chris Evans, Danny Baker, Chris Morris, um, Emma Freud, all these um, amazing presenters were all there. And I, I managed to get a gig there and, and then Six Music launched. And it, it became the, the perfect place for me because it combined my love of radio with um, my love of music. And I, I really do believe without uh, wishing to sound in any way conceited, you know, I, I believe that I have, I have my dream job. I achieve my ambition and, um, and have my dream job, but, but there's the, the only 
hard part is that it's probably an hour earlier than I'd like it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I love morning radio. You know, it, it, there's an amazing connection with the audience at that time of day. But um, when your alarm goes off at, at 3.42, and because every minute counts at that time of the morning, yeah. when, when that alarm goes off on a Monday morning at, at 3.42, that's tough really tough oh man but your listening figures are just amazing yeah i mean it's i i I don't i don't really understand that it's just a guy talking in between songs um but the 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 key is making sure each one of those songs counts and i love it i absolutely love it once i'm there it's fine yeah it's good yeah it's the 342 So where in that journey, because you said you went to your, fe- you didn't go to your first festival till after uni. Where did live gigs come into that? Were you going to gigs though before then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, my first ever gig was, so right, yeah, okay. When I was like uh, 15, um, again, my mum used to take me, there was a, a one big nightclub in Shrewsbury called Park Lane and they did an under 14 night. And I, uh, yes. my first DJing, was, was DJing at this under 14. So I was only 16 myself. Um, no way. The DJ at Park Lane let me have a go. Um, and so um, <laughs> I started doing that um, for a while. And then uh, and then I, after that, I went to my first ever gig, um, which was Sister Sledge. And that wow. was while I was like in the lower sixth, maybe. So, but the, where would you go to a gig? If you tell me, growing up in North Shropshire, the nearest <laughs> town... Was five miles away. You know, the nearest. And I live in. A, I lived in a village where I was related to more than half of the population. <laughs> Hang on, I, I'm the Welsh runner. Yeah, no, you know, you'd be able to relate, Alex. My school. There were 33 children in in my primary school, and and genuinely, two thirds were my cousins. <laughs> seriously i love it well i suppose chris i was in the same kind of boat because i i'm from a i'm from a small um small town in in the scottish borders so i'm i'm 45 miles away from the nearest city edinburgh is the the closest place so i didn't i don't have anything um yeah what do you do it it feels you know it 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 feels like you know it was late to to go to a gig but yeah it was sister stage it was this kind of weird party you know where the big chill used to be do you you remember the big chill festival the festival yeah yeah, it was there where, in the grounds of, of where the big chill was, and it was Sister Sledge. So all, all 200 of you from your town went to see it then, did you? <laughs> all, you and your family, you all went. I'm not even joking. I'm really not, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's not that weird being married to your sister, you know. It gets, <laughs> no, when, when everyone's the same. So the village <laughs> got into two coaches and uh, headed to the okay. gig. Things got a bit more normal once I was at university and, and um, you know, there were great, great moments. God, Bowie, <laughs> whilst I was at, at Nottingham, um, Bowie came and played at Rock City. That was some special moment. Um, you got a ticket to see Bowie in Rock City. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And and that will always be, you know, I'm guessing this question was coming. I may have preempted it, sorry. But yes, it was probably the best gig of my life. Yeah. Well, what? How did you, how did you get, did you have to sell your nan for that ticket? How did you get that ticket? Uh, my uh, flatmate and I at the time queued up, got 
got tickets. Um, you know, I, I, I was, as a kid, I, I was that kid at the Gay Meadow, the home of Shrewsbury Town, the mighty, sorry, mighty Shrewsbury Mighty, Town. yes, yes. Um, I was that <laughs> kid that used to stand at the players' entrance, getting all the players' autographs, waiting at yeah. the team bus for the away team to arrive and getting photos and, and, and autographs. I was always the kid at the theatre stage door. I, I got your autograph, Alex, before we knew one another from a, a, a TV show. Um, <laughs> You go from doing that as an excitable youngster and then you go through a period where it's a bit embarrassing, but you sort of still want to get those autographs. And then actually yep. now I'm very proud to ask everyone I interview to sign stuff for me. So that my only regret is not hanging out after that gig for, for Bowie to, to try and sort of, even if it hadn't been a photo or even a, an autograph, just to have caught sight of him in person um, other than on stage would have been a really special. Moment. Oh my gosh. I mean, would that have even been possible? Do you know, I did something similar at the Academy of Manchester after a Nick Cave gig and I waited, waited and I wanted him to sign my ticket. I thanked him and said, oh, I, I don't know why I apologise, but I've got to rush off because I've got to go back to Cardiff because I'm from Wales. And he just said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I was, I was just like, oh, that's brilliant thanks nick cave <laughs> wales loves you too chris payne and i we tell everyone and, and regular listeners to the podcast will know that we both have scrapbooks and folders of ticket stubs because we are those kind of people do you have in fact have you still got your sister sledge ticket um you know what N no i don't and i know i know from listening to you guys that um Yes, that, that you, you do. God knows why, because uh, those autograph books are um, prized possessions of mine. But no, I don't have many of my early ticket stubs. And any more recent years, I'm very, very lucky to get asked to go to, to gigs or, or whatever. Um, I don't get given tickets. I do keep stuff, uh, but I probably, um, oh, what an, I sound like such an asshole. But I've got more. No, no, no more wristbands and lanyards than I do tickets. And I do keep them. Yeah, I've got tons yeah. of stuff. And I've got so many band t-shirts, but drawers and drawers of, of them. And, and you know what I try to do? If, if I have been lucky enough to, to get on a, say, a guest list or whatever, I always try and buy some merch, you know, as a, a way of balancing the books a bit for, for any band. That is great. That is great. That's really good. I think it's the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. Do you know what? We um, interviewed Sophie Williams, who's she's only 20 and she's from Cardiff. She's a journalist and she is writing for Guardian Music, Enemy. She's doing fantastic. And Chris and I are geeking out saying we've got our folders of ticket stubs. And she's there going, she doesn't just match that, Chris, right? She's like, oh, that's another thing. I screenshot on my phone my e-tickets, print them out and keep them in a scrapbook. And we were like, Oh my gosh. Next level. That's honestly, well, yeah, we described her. She is the end of level boss of this kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah, fair play to her. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. In fact, just tell me about a couple of standout gigs before you sort of became Chris Hawkins. DJ. Are there a couple that, that you remember? Bowie being the obvious example. And so that was just remind me you were I in was, uni? So I was yeah, I, I, yeah. At the end of uni, it was brilliant. You know, I think in the same year I saw um, Shed Seven, who I know you're a fan of, and I'm. Yay. 
A lifelong fan of two. Um, Bowie, then. I really want to know about that. Why was he playing Rock City? Was it a one-off, such a small venue like that? Yeah, it was a, a warm-up show for a tour and played some kind of weirder stuff, new stuff, but did do some classics. I seem to remember uh, he came on stage. He was a bit late on and he came on and said, sorry, I'm a bit late. Wanted to see the end of EastEnders. <laughs> <laughs> and you just don't care, do you? Then you're like, that's all right, Dave. You carry yeah. on. You you get through your set. Get through your set. I remember also, you know, uh, you know, uh, around the same time, going on a boys, boys, boys uh, trip to um, Magaluf, maybe. And I think Ooh. I probably saw the, the Temptations in a hotel lobby or something like that. But I mean. You know, literally one guy who was once in the Temptations. Of yes, course, you know? yes. <laughs> Bless him. Quite a few of those Motown lot are doing. Oh, the rounds, I love it. I, just... so, no, there's. A, I, I used to play in a band, and we we ended up. It was a ska band, and and we were on a, a bill at Hyde Park, but it was not Hyde Park in London. It was Hyde Park in Hyde and um, oh, in Manchester. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But top top of the bill. Top of the bill was yeah. the Drifters. And so we were speaking to the Drifters and, and lovely for me, they said cracking brass section. I'm, I'm the sax player. I was the sax player. And they were like, oh, nice one. Thank you. And I didn't recognize any of them. And I looked them up and they were like Trigger's broom. All of the <laughs> all of the members were maybe related to original members or had known them from. And there were no, nothing, nothing to there do with no the drifters. original Drifters. No, there's probably about seven different drifters there's drifters official drifters us <laughs> you know like the beat or whatever so um... i think the three of us should start going out as the beach boys <laughs> now when you then especially once you really settled into six music were you conscious then or self-conscious going to gigs especially on sort of you know smaller bands newer artists because did you feel if they see me there's going to be pressure on me to write a good review talk about them um bits yeah life did change quite a lot when six music started for me yeah i mean it's just that shared experience uh, at a, a gig i think um it's it's leveling isn't it so i think everyone's there for for one purpose and that's to see the band and and i think that uh yeah you get given uh cds by new bands that's what i i tell bands to do that you know if you're going to a gig you're quite likely to see someone who might be able to change your future because there could be a reviewer in the crowd a radio guy whatever manager a and r person you know be well armed you know i was lucky in 2002 when six music started i i went to glastonbury and um that that it was the summer of uh, faithless doing one of their uh, one of their best ever shows and i think a lot of people certainly anyone that was there would agree it, it was one of the glastonbury performances uh, through the year through through the, the history of glastonbury and that became a kind of uh, it was one of i i don't think i've ever felt the way i did watching faithless that that night and that that was so because that was right at the start of six music god i i felt like you know just the most amazing i think i'd ever felt i think yeah it was horrid do you, really do you, do you remember it quite quite clearly what was it about that sort of performance i mean were you a big faithless fan anyway i was a faithless fan before yeah i was a mega faithless fan after it was just when everything went right it was about the time of day as in late evening the sun just setting mm. it was about you know i'd been to a you know i god i was in nottingham during euro 96 yeah and and nottingham <laughs> one of the host cities uh it called Britannia, you know, Britpop was massive for me, but this was like a kind of next level thing. What Britpop all sort of, 
it fizzled out, didn't it? And Cool Britannia wasn't very cool anymore. And um, and this was something completely different. It was, as I said, it, it was of the moment and, and it was kind of unexpected too. I think even they would say that they, they had no idea quite what was, was going to go off. And it was that feeling that any music fan will find hard to put a finger on and describe when you just lose yourself in in yeah. uh, in a gig and and that I, I, you can probably tell where i'm stuttering and stumbling even more than normal right now <laughs> about, um, how that was um that's what hour and 15 minutes hour and 20 minutes where it just became you it was like otherworldly i mean it, i'm sounding yes. overly dramatic but it, it had that much of an impact on me no no, I, I I would say the same. Um, watching Radiohead play Tea in the Park '96, I think it was '95, '96. I can't remember. It was the ben, the Benz. It was towards the end of their Benz promotion, really, and it was exactly the same time and. You know, lovely weather and yeah, yeah. The the weather uh, was amazing then too. Uh, Radiohead, Chris. That's interesting that you mentioned Radiohead because I I was I got Radiohead, but but I was never um I hadn't sort of got it the way that Radiohead fans had 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 got them. And right, interesting. I I went to see them in, in Cardiff. Hail to the Thief at Cardiff Arena. And oh, no that, way, I was there. That was my tipping point. I was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. Now I get it. Well, I was an early adopter, really, because I saw them. Um, they had just released, I'm not even sure if Pablo Honey had come out, but they supported James um, at the Barrowlands in 93. And uh, I didn't I, I didn't really know. I think I knew Creep, but that was it. And so I got Pablo Honey and listened to that on loop. And then so I was waiting for the bends to come out. And I think between then and and okay computer and then i kind of fell out of love a little bit just and i don't know the the more recent stuff I'm, i i kind of know the early stuff a lot better but um but yeah just around about 95 96 the, the best best band on the planet for me i stood at glastonbury 97 when they headlined that famous one i was there and, and at the end i just cried i don't mind saying that I um I do have a creep story. So um I was at, I was at V and I'd gone with um, TV's Kate Garraway. That the two of us were there for Radiohead <laughs> headlining at Chelmsford, and uh, there'd been a rumor. Was that ninety seven or ninety eight? Later. Was it? Yeah. Grief. And um so we had guest passes. So we we went, went and, and we were. But we were round in the obviously like a normal person. We were in the in the crowd for the Radiohead, and there'd been a rumor that they were going to play Creep, and um, and they were like sort of eighteen songs in, and uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. And we we jostled our way into a good spot, like we were quite quite close to the front and and quite central, and um, and loved it. And but they still haven't done Creep, and then they did, uh, they finished, and then they did an encore, and they were like. And it was great, and I was like, nah, that's so. The last song in the encore, we were like, shall we try and get to the bar before it closes? You know, so let's go. So we headed off to the the bar, which was quite a long way away. <laughs> at which no. point... we're ahead of you, we're ahead of you. <laughs> we are, we're the only two standing at the fucking bar as radio <laughs> for the first time in a decade. Oh, god. <laughs> well, I, I kind of did a similar thing at the, at the Etihad when they played there a couple of years back and they they, did, they played a couple of tunes and and then uh, realized didn't have drinks so we went to the bar because we thought they're not going to play no surprises this early standing oh, yeah yeah i didn't realize that yeah that was old that trafford was, 
Oh, Old Trafford, sorry, yeah. I'll never forgive my wife for uh, dragging us away from the Stone Roses at Heaton Park as they were playing Resurrection. I mean, <laughs> what? I had to go with her, though, didn't I? Because, you know, we were in the middle of... No, no I See you later, love. Make your own way home. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> could have. <laughs> that is brilliant. Well, that's not, that's on my doorstep. And when they were playing those gigs, I knew that Resurrection was playing because the helicopters came over, and it was it felt like I mean being in the, that in the park because I didn't go to any of the gigs, but I did sit in the yard and listen to them for free. Um, but the, uh, the helicopters, it must have felt like Nam. It was messy, wasn't it, Chris? That that field was messy. It was hilarious because um, obviously, you know, <laughs> anyone that knows Manchester, uh, the gold circle there for that gig was bigger <laughs> than the best of the gig, you know, the it rest was. of the it was. Yeah, <laughs> everyone was related to one of the Stone Roses for those gigs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, so, it's so true. Right, we're going to take you through the quick fire round here, which never turns out to be quick at all, <laughs> but I like that. So who is your favourite band to see live? Who's your favourite live band? Because it's often different to who your favourite is on record, I find. Yeah, it, it could be Arctic Monkeys, I think. Oh, Always always exciting the last time i saw them was for the tranquility tour and uh, i loved that they i loved that that was a concept album that um, as as was hoped you know they they mixed up the, the night with old stuff too um that will, will stick in my mind forever i, I think arctic monkeys are always exciting james always brilliant um an absolute you know brilliant live band uh charlatans doves um, I, I'm so oh, pleased to have yes. them back. What an album as well. What an album. Mm. I know. Yeah, what a comeback. I know. I know. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, you've, you've already a- answered the next one, which was your best gig. So that was that was Bowie at Rock City. Yeah, I think it was Bowie at Rock City. But I mean, Fleetwood Mac at Manchester Arena, albeit, you know, latter years Fleetwood Mac was pretty amazing. Stevie Wonder in Hyde Park was also quite a moment. Oh, wow. You went... Mm. That must have been that must have been fantastic. What yeah. what's been what's been your worst gig? And I'll let you interpret what worst means. It could be because you had I don't know a personal nightmare or what, or it could be you know because the band were just dire or something. Happened. What's your worst? Um, it, it, I, I I feel lucky to say that I, I never uh, I can't. There's not one that, that always comes to mind when asked that question when that conversation comes comes up in the pub, but. You know, there'll have been a, there's been a fair few of these where, for example, I I'm a fan of a, a relatively young band called Dirty Laces, and they asked me to host the oh, night. Oh yes, we were playing, and um, Lathams, uh, who I'm also a big fan of, were, were on first, so I did the the usual warm up for, sort of welcome, and because they'd asked me to do it on the night, I'd already had like two or three beers before I got to the venue, and so I introduced Lathams in, in a very enthusiastic way. And then Paddy Considine's band, Riding the Low, were on next. And um, I was a, a little bit giddy about the fact that that was Paddy Considine, like one of my favourite actors. And, um, you know, I'm another two down by this point. Uh, but get through getting Paddy on and his band. Um, and and I have no memory of introducing the headliners. <laughs> that <laughs> I have no memory of introducing or watching Dirty Laces. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's honest of you and i appreciate that 
I'm appreciating the honesty. So I would say that the reason I can't remember other worst gigs is because f for the aforementioned reason. What's your favourite venue? Not everyone has a favourite venue, but if if pushed, where would you just would like to see? Where would you say? Would it be somewhere in Wales or? or... Because I've lived all over the place. I always say Club Ivo Bach in Cardiff. Um, it, it was just a great venue and I think there's a lot of nostalgia there but I think my favorite venue is the Apollo in Manchester and I, I don't know why I just love it but oh it depends what day you ask me the Albert Hall in Manchester has also become incredible incredible yeah. and I, I used to like the story in London but obviously it's not with us anymore yes yeah, so I um lived in London for, for a very long time and the, and the garage in Islington was walking distance from home oh wow so, I spent a lot of time at, at gigs at the garage and I really loved that venue um, and the Astoria too. I remember seeing Amy Winehouse at the Astoria once and she was, it was a night when she was in terrific form. So that will always stand oh, out. Man. Great memories of that evening. Yeah. Oh, well, I would, I would have, I'd give anything to have been at that gig. That's, in, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of people mentioned the garage. Who else have you seen there that you that you remember? I remember seeing drums there once that really stands out for whatever reason. It was a bit like of a moment. But the very first time I went there was when I'd first moved to London. Bear in mind what I've said about where I grew up. And... <laughs> yes, you, you were without your family. <laughs> Yeah, a kid, uh, you know, Shropshire lad, um, it lo lost in London. And I, I went to my first gig at the garage and uh, it was to see They Might Be Giants. Oh, wow. What a band. I'd seen them previously at uh, Connecticut College at their end of year party when I was in the States, when I was living there at school. And uh, so I went, I walked and I was like, well, you know, London was all new to me. Um, I walked in and uh, excited about seeing They Might Be Giants. And I was like, oh my God, that's, uh, look over that, that's Jonathan Ross and, and Mark Lamar <laughs> and Phil Jupiters. Oh my, this, ah, uh, these, and the streets are going to be paved with gold from here on. <laughs> it's like every time you went to a gig in London, you know? Yeah. You can see the I like that. I like that. And Chris Payne, I, I, I want you to acknowledge that I skirted over the fact that Chris Hawkins saw Amy Winehouse. And, and, yet, and yet, Chris Hawkins, I always bring this up and people will be bored of it, but Chris Payne chose to um, have another drink at the bar when he went to see Jamie Cullum and missed the support act, who he found out afterwards was Amy Winehouse. <laughs> no, um, Jamie Cullum um, introduced my wife and I. Really? What? what? Wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you're not just going to leave that there. Go on. We were friends with Jamie um, independently uh, of one another. And uh, we went to see Boy George. And um, I said, Jamie, can you introduce me to, um, to that Claire? And uh, he did. And then we got married. <laughs> that night. <laughs> <laughs> the only straight couple that a Boy George gig ended up getting married. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and he's a great performer isn't he boy george live phenomenal i once did this great night in liverpool where it was uh boy george and bernard butler and oh, man. tim burgess and uh, holly cook um who i'm a big fan of they all sang with one another and it was like nothing else it was unreal a really special night and i've, I've done a bit of stuff with boy george through the years and he's not only is he a great performer you're right but he is you know he's a great guy a really good guy and and as we all know the stories are just uh, incomparable 
Yeah. Wow. He, he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Go on, Mr. Payne. Last question of the quick fire round. Um, so your best discovery, someone you knew nothing about until you saw them perform. So maybe you'd, you'd, um, you hadn't even heard them on record. You saw them live for the first time. Went, oh. Do you know what? Um, God, I feel like I'm just uh, playing to the crowd here. Um, <laughs> but Pagan's SOH, it, I mean, it's not, a, it's not that weird because Alex and I are, are friends and, and we, we share similar music tastes. So um, I went, I, I was at Kendall calling, um, someone said, you've got to go and see this band. And, and I, I did. And I, it was like the most incredible energy on stage I'd experienced oh, yeah. for a really long time. And, um, and I've ended up playing their music on the radio as a result, as a direct result of seeing them live on stage. And, and the great thing was they were really unfazed. I went and found them afterwards and they were like just buzzing from their performance. And, and they've, they've been very cool about um, getting on the radio and stuff. And I'm, I really wanted, I want that band to go on to do big things. They deserve to. Yeah, they, it, it's great, isn't it? When you see a band like that, especially a young band coming through, really, they're really giving it their all. And they are, you know, ready to wow and they are just a it's so hard to even explain them to people when people say to me oh how do you describe them i'm like um oh i don't know um but they it, it's it's such a nice feeling isn't it when you 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 have that band i've said this before as well i i stumbled across a band in glastonbury as you you know you often do don't you in a small venue or tent somewhere and it was sundara karma uh, and it was on their first ep and i just was listening going oh these these guys are great and it's it's really exciting isn't it and like that i don't think i'll ever lose that excitement of you know feeling the energy and and the performance from someone that I know nothing about you know yeah and there's that sense even greater sense of jeopardy too when you know nothing about them yeah yeah absolutely well we've we're in the final furlong now because yeah I know you are a busy man and you've got uh, you've got lots to do but there's just there's just a, a few questions this is the if only I'm I'm really interested to hear this who do you really wish you could have seen live that is no longer possible so for me I'll I'll forever be gutted about not being able to see Prince. And who do you really want to see that you haven't yet that you could, you know, potentially see? And um, by the way, um, I'm not busy. I'm thirsty. So just uh... <laughs> oh, is that what you that what you're saying? <laughs> it is about to hit at recording time now, five p.m. Friday. I'm thirsty. Um, <laughs> Prince, yes, definitely Prince. Uh, I um, uh, had a, you could have gone to, you know, when he did those small shows and I didn't go and I'm gutted. Um, oh, so you didn't see him either? No. Um, and so Prince would definitely be up there. Uh, I would love to have seen The Smiths. I Here's yeah. a bit more of a random one. I would love to have seen The House Martins. I am a fan of each yeah. of theirs. And, uh, and they're a band that, you know, oddly... Um, but you get you think about uh, you get that question you know who would you like to see reform well I actually would love the housemates to reform it and annoyingly that they all get on really well but there's just absolutely no chance of them reforming yeah exactly because yeah. I thought that I thought oh I wonder if if Paul and you know Mr Slim down in Brighton there so, yeah apparently they're all really good mates yeah they get on really well it's not like the, the Smiths where Morrissey's an absolute dick you know and, and why would they <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, these guys are friends, uh, and it would. I would just. I just. There's something about what the house parties did, and that that what they created that I'd love to have seen. That is a good show. That's that a really a, good that show. That is a belter, Chris Hawkins. That's an absolute belter. I, I've, show. I never, I've never seen um, the Rolling Stones, which feels a bit ridiculous, um, and that 
is still bucket list. I've I've never seen The Who either, but I have um, brushed purposely brushed past Pete Townsend once so that I could say that I have kind of touched him. <laughs> I, I, like, he, he was walking past my lent sort of shoulder, so I rubbed sort of forearms with Pete Townsend. But you rubbed shoulders him. with Pete Townsend. It would, be, yeah, exactly. So it would be kind of cool um, to to see the Who, I think. Um, and and I've never, I, neither have I been to a Bruce Springsteen gig, and that that's uh, shameful, I think. Yeah, shameful. I, I think we Shame. we we talked we talked in a previous one about um, looking back at past um, lineups for big festivals and how it's never a good thing to do because you'll see who you did see and who you could have seen who maybe became a lot bigger. And my one was. Um, I think at the same time that Terrorvision were on, while well, I was watching Terrorvision, at the same time, um, the Cocteau Twins were on. And, I, wa- <laughs> and I, I wasn't a big Cocteau Twins fan then. I am now. Um, it's never a good idea to look back at old Glastonbury lineups or Tea in the Park lineups. Just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't look. <laughs> the past nirvana would have been amazing uh, i think you know again you know of the moment that excitement that that timing and uh i'm no my wendy james story i can't um not not just get this wendy james story in um i uh once was st- on holiday in spain and um i was a massive transvision vamp fan massive transvision vamp fan. yeah we all were that, yeah well for, mostly for one reason um the music the music <laughs> The brilliant uh, indie pop music, that's right. Um, the link from Nirvana to Wendy James being that Kurt Cobain obviously wore the Transvision Vamp t-shirt famously. Right. And uh, I was staying in this hotel, found out the Transvision Vamp was staying there. And I literally, I followed Wendy James around the corridors and waited out and then couldn't get her quickly enough to, as she went into her room, waited outside the door of her hotel room um I, I was i was pretty young so it wasn't that weird um i was what, like 22 13 14 um and uh, she eventually came out uh i can picture the autograph that she signed for me a uh, uh, wendy james with a heart around it which is kind of her trademark autograph and uh, i got a photo of her not with her but here's the big the cool rub is that i've actually in the last 12 months become friends with wendy james from transmission but wow. what how has that happened? It's happened um, like a bit like online dating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we were, <laughs> and I have no I doubt that, that your wife Claire's going love, knock yourself out. <laughs> I, yeah, she completely. Yeah, another like roll the eyes. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've, yeah, we um, kind of. I like her new stuff, and um, I just think she she had a big impact on a teenage me. <laughs> well, in a similar way, I I photographed um, I photographed having been a, a fan when they first came out in 1986-87, um, uh, the Primitives. Uh, it was the first that first album I properly bought. Um, you know, going to going to a big city and going to a record shop, and I bought uh, Lovely, and um, and yeah, and so I didn't get to photograph them until about three years ago, and Tracy Tracy was just. <laughs> oh, and it was that was my that was my equivalent, I think, the primitives. I love that that crash in it, the primitives. That big yeah. yeah, yeah, that whole album's great, really good. We haven't really t- 
touched on, I guess, that whole period that I, we, we mentioned Britpop. There were a, a lot of great gigs during that time. Oasis, uh, a little later, I, I maybe have seen Oasis more than any other band through the years, I, I'm thinking. What was your first Oasis gig? It was, I think it was, um, it would have been Reading, and it was it was one where they fell out on stage, where they oh, had a yes. kind of... Uh, a ruckus and I, I have a feeling I'm guessing that Noel probably left the stage um it was just, it was when there was a lot of that going on I, I was once in um I was at Graceland <laughs> what? doing the, the the tour of Graceland the, uh, you know um I had tickets to see Oasis uh, I got l- last minute got tickets to see Oasis in uh, Buffalo in New York now look oh, just wow. picture your map of a, your map of America here so I get up the next morning with this um, German friend who I'd done this road trip with uh, who by the way only told me he hadn't got a driving license once we'd hired the at the hired car the, de- the desk he said you uh, you know I can't drive Chris no like, what we're driving from Boston to New York to Atlanta to New Orleans to Tennessee to uh, <laughs> days <laughs> now telling me this so i think it's like 900 miles or something we left at, at 5 a.m and arrived at 9 p.m to the news on the radio that oasis had cancelled the gig no <laughs> tell you, stuff happens oh that's gotta hurt no and you've hated oasis ever since well um <laughs> you know they will get back together won't they yeah, there's no doubt. There is no doubt in my mind they will get back together. Yeah, but if they do, is there any point in seeing? If we if we go with Noel, Noel has said, I've given them the amount of money I want or I would need. I would helicopter in, play the gigs, helicopter out. There's there's no acquiesce then, is there? You know, on that. It's not, it's not going to be the same and it would just be... Yeah, but the Oasis songs that Liam's doing at the moment in his live set, some of the best versions that I've heard, he's he's really do, he's his voice is really really good at the moment. There was a patch where he he wasn't quite there, but um, yeah, his his voice is really maturing, and um, yeah, I th- I th- yeah, I I think it's definitely going to happen at some point. I do too. We'll see. We'll see on that. Chris, give um give Chris and I a recommendation on who we need to go and see live. Things are back to normal. Who is it that we need to go and see live that is, you know, it's possible that we haven't? On the basis that everyone will be touring, my big recommendation is go see everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Just don't say no. I feel a bit for, the, you know, the, the you know festivals, for example, can only put on a certain number of bands. You know, the, there will have been bands that were due to play last year that, you know, will not just necessarily be carried forward. There'll be no. new bands taken their places so um i have the biggest sympathy for any musicians at this moment i just hope that um you know like when you get um if you hurt yourself badly or you experience pain in some way you know maybe emotionally uh, it, the human brain and body have this uh, amazing way of, of blocking that and as and time does heal um in both senses I, I hope that we will look back on this very bleak and dark time and feel like uh, we came out the other side of it with mu- the music industry back to, to where it was. Oh, man, I hope so. Amen to that, absolutely. Um, the last question we ask is um, about a piece of live music, either um, uh, an album or a live track on an album or uh, a live video, maybe a YouTube performance that, that you keep going back to that you can't get out of your head, can't get out of your ears. What would you suggest we go and listen to or watch? Oh, the other time, by the way, very quickly, was when I went to see Estelle. <laughs> she, 
she was like the big new thing. And I, uh, that was a massively crowded gig at Eastington Academy. I couldn't just, you know, I, I want to just prove the point that stupid stuff happened. And, uh, <laughs> He's going back to the quick fire round. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, so I'm going in to Estelle and I'm really excited, like everyone is about seeing her for the first time on stage. And I get, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a tall guy and I get stuck behind Rio Ferdinand. You know, I, I saw nothing of that gig. And I mean, I, it was so rammed in there. It was like illegally rammed, you know, that there was nowhere to turn. <laughs> you know, like of all of the people, you know, it's, it's not even a tall guy, he's a giant. Yeah, and Chris, you know what? You could have just tapped his thigh and he'd gone down like a sack of when you're with someone like that you're i mean at my height you're you know you're almost only just above his waist you know it's <laughs> um in answer to your question uh stop making sense talking heads every time ah what about i i bow down to that so it it's the best concert film uh, of all time the best live show ever recorded a band right at the top of their game in the most incredible form delivering a masterpiece it's a it's a work of art and it makes me feel good it gets me uh it gets me I watch it often before going out. It just gets me going. It makes me feel amazing. Well, do you know what, Mr. Hawkins? I think we have only just scratched the surface. I feel like there is a, an episode two that we need to do with Mr. Chris Hawkins. Can we? Because there's uh, John Sim and New Order. There's that story. Um, there's um, Kirsty McCall that we ah. haven't had time to talk about. And, uh, and also the Scissor Sisters and Kylie in Trafalgar Square. So perhaps that's all for another time. Okay. In fact, we'll do part two all together. So we'll actually sit in the presence of each other. Ah. All right. Can I take that uh, one step further and say, can we do it in a pub beer garden, maybe? Yeah. Let's yeah, do it. Without a doubt. That is something to look forward to. All right. We'll do it over three or five pints. Chris Hawkins, the most beautiful voice on the radio. And, <laughs> and if you've never met him, everyone, then thank you. form an orderly queue and I'll introduce you. He's wonderful. Chris, thank you so much. Guys, um, by the way, I... <laughs> I feel disingenuous. I have this terribly disingenuous <laughs> and it's really annoying. Um, but I really, really love the podcast. But now it just sounds like <laughs> he's now he's lying. He's really, lying. Really, I've always I've always preferred really, Mary Ann Hobbs. I, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> wait, uh, to be honest, mate, I only did this because I thought you were the curly hair boy. You <laughs> missed him. He was episode four. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Chris Hawkins there. Fantastic. Ooh, wallop. Yeah. What a man. Have it. All I've got to say is... David Bowie at Nottingham Rock City. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah. What, oh, what I wouldn't give to see Bowie play a venue like that. And, well, to be, to be honest, that venue. I don't know if you've uh, been to Nottingham Rock City. It's got such such no. good history. Oh, I'm, I'm very jealous. And I cry. I'm laughing again, thinking about his story about uh, his very first gig. And how it was basically his whole family 
filled coach <laughs> after coach yeah. in his village going to the going to the gig. It was brilliant. And and let us just remind you what we said before. Chris is so lovely. And as he says, gets to a lot of bands and goes to a lot of gigs free. Um and he always picks up merchandise. And if you're ever doubting that, check out his t-shirt collection. No one in this whole world has a band or artist t-shirt collection like Christopher Hawkins. It's it's crazy. In fact, I want to go to his house and see all the drawers. He's got loads of them. He must have hundreds. And he does. He's so good at supporting smaller artists. So yeah. just a reminder, uh, our listening friends, when you get to gigs, if they're smaller bands and you can afford it, buy some merchandise as well. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a hoodie for 180 knicker. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. So Sorry, I should have warned so you. Angry. Angry. Yeah. What a joke. What a joke. Okay. £180. <laughs> Welcome to the Grumpy Old Men podcast. It actually sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Guess how much the Billie Eilish uh, hoodie is? 180 pounds. <laughs> what a punchline. No, no, it's 180 pounds. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, then. I think I Alex's to... head is going to oh. explode. I will have to sell my daughter to try and raise money to buy her a hoodie. And then I'll have to sell the hoodie just to get it back or something. I don't know, because my wife will cry or something. I don't know. So as I say, not a 180 pound hoodie. Um, no. But maybe a, a, a single, maybe get a seven inch or get a, um, you get coasters. I've, I've got a pair of um, everything, everything socks. Um, Shut up. No. Um, <gasps> Great question. Best merchandise. Oh best my gosh, merch. everyone. We want pictures of your favorite merchandise, please. Oh yeah. I don't have my favorite one um, anymore. Um Oh no! But, oh no! What? Go on. <laughs> it was um, 1992 at the J- yes. James Acoustic Tour. I got a wee pack of condoms. Brilliant! Yeah, and, and you honest. could get different ones. There was um, how was it for you? Um, <laughs> come home. Come home. And I think <laughs> this was just before the late album. I think it just said late as well. So, uh, I I don't want to say you're showing off, but um, you're showing off there. Is that <laughs> good? <laughs> I would show you, but I haven't got them anymore. No, no, they went out of date. <laughs> they didn't make it to my thirtieth no. birthday. <laughs> no. Oh, the tears of truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they went out of date before they got to, uh, you know. Anyway, before they, before yeah. they left the flat. Oh. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, I don't oh even please. Know. Oh, me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just been a little bit sick. Oh. <laughs> Gonna have to edit that. <laughs> Mate. I'm just going to throw in because this is a music pod. Um, I don't care what your age or genre or whatever. The new James album is truly fabulous. Yeah. So put in your ears and have a listen. 
Anyway. Podcast. Podcast, but also merchandise. Pictures, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. Send us pictures on our social media. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gig Stories Pod. Uh, and you can email us as well at the usual email address. Info at gigstoriespodcast.com. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I would love to see pictures of your, of your favorite merchandise. Um, merchandise. I, I, I got a bit of merchandise um, a couple of weeks ago. I got one of uh, Tim's what? Twitter listening parties. Um, the uh, Oh, what did you get? Uh, the, the mat for the record player. Slip mat. Slip mat, that's what it's called. Yeah, slip oh, mat. Yeah, but I'm such an idiot because um, I, I got the slip mat and then I went down to the record player and had completely forgotten that it's actually a seven-inch record player that <laughs> can play <laughs> 12 inches. <laughs> so, so if I put the slip mat on, nothing's going to work. I'm Tim's such an fringe. idiot. Yeah. Tim's fringe just flops all over Flapping the against the side of the record player. <laughs> who, who only owns a seven-inch turntable? I don't have much space downstairs, and and it's it's got a, it's it's almost like a dance set kind of thing, but it does oh, play because but it does cause, play cause, twelve inches because twelve inches takes up too much room, does it? <laughs> well, it's a whole. <laughs> it's five more inches, man. <laughs> So anyway, I, I, at least I supported um, uh, Tim's Twitter listening party, and it goes to a good cause as well. Um, but <laughs> what an idiot! What an idiot! Not <laughs> bad. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to put. Oh. 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 Shit on it! <laughs> Not again. <laughs> And in, in the corner of Chris's living room, there's a pile of 60 or 70 slip mats. I keep forgetting! Yeah. <laughs> just the, the camera, camera just moves right, just pans right, and you yeah. just see. Sorry, <sighs> pile of slip mats. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a large pile of slip mats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, brother, because he has. So the the reason I shouted out podcast before was because <laughs> how to DJ, how to DJ yeah, oh, by yes. Chris Hawkins. Um, mm. So check out that podcast where he speaks to some incredible DJs, including Dave Haslam. Who oh, else yes. is in there? Uh, Jam Supernova. Ashley Beadle, John Kennedy, Goldie Rocks, um, Simone so Marie. Get get on it, yeah. Jam Supernova is just ace, ace. Yeah. So yeah, it's a great it's a great podcast, and um, Chris has others as well. Um, Google them, search them because they are they're fantastic. Boy, yeah. does he know his stuff. Well, time is up, mate. Yeah, and by by that I mean I've got more Cadbury's caramel chocolate to eat. Oh yeah, happy Father's Day for last last Sunday. Happy Happy Father's Day. What did you get, Chris? I got um, a lovely garment. I got a a, a fashion top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a top for fashion. Um, and it's great. It's really good. 
Yes. This is why the listeners here for this quality content. Yeah. Absolutely. And on that, on that note, listener, <laughs> we'll see you next episode. Wowzers. See you next time. Bye. Oh, that slip mat is brilliant.